is a Bramble Jam podcast. Hi, I'm Bran, and I love Hallmark movies. Hey, I'm Panda, and I like Hallmark movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark movies. I'm Italia, and I am in Hallmark movies. And this is the Deck the Hallmark podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going great. How about you? Um, scale of one to ten? Yeah, ten. Ten out yeah. of ten. ten. Why is that? Um, well, a couple of reasons. One, um, just the other day, I got um, a, you know a, just a bunch of good food in the in the mail. Um, I got it shipped to me from Amazon. Amazon Grocery. Okay. Uh huh. But also Italian Richie's here. Italian Richie is here, <laughs> and that's the main reason I'm a ten out of ten. Uh, welcome, thank you so much Italia for being here. Looked like she was gonna hang up during. Yeah, that. she was. Just she like, was like, this "What is... is this guy doing? I'm gonna hang up now." No. <laughs> <laughs> she said no, but she, she, mean, she, she meant. She meant yes. yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. It means so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the little break from my eight month old. <laughs> is that what you said? Oh, wow. Mm, God bless you. Yeah, well, we'll talk as long as you That's need. That's right. We'll yeah. talk as a, this <laughs> we is get one it. of these four-hour <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille interviews is what this is. This is a long one. Um, where, where are you Where are you, you located? You're located in, in Los Angeles, I'm guessing? What's, what's it like out there right now? Are you, you surviving? You doing okay? My son is screaming. Be right back. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. It's just the type of day today it's is, guys. It's the day that we're having. Oh, man. Hey, Mambo, Mambo Italiano. Hey, Mambo. Ten minutes, and this is what you get. Mm, uh, totally all right. Okay. I'm sure you can hear it, but... Um, yes, I'm in L.A. Uh, I've been stuck. My mom was visiting earlier this year, and then got trapped here with us during... Uh, everything that's going on. So at least we've had the help there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us, uh, bring us back to uh, childhood, what you were like as a kid, how you got into acting. At what age did you like think, man, I really like acting. I kind of want to uh, dab a little, a little bit. What's that journey like uh, early on? I, when I was very little, like kindergarten, uh, I actually had, uh, I was, I liked reading more than I liked people. So my parents would, like, ground me to, like, go play outside with my friends. And I'd be like, you're the worst parents ever because I would just prefer to read books. <laughs> and in school, I would be sort of that jerk who would look at kids, like, playing with dolls and, like, making fake food. And I'm like, none of that is real. Like, why are you pretending? This is really stupid. <laughs> and then, obviously, I grow up and I play pretend for a living now. Um, so... I was a bit, I was, I think they tried to like diagnose me as antisocial and all this stuff. And I was really like, I'm not antisocial. I just don't want to talk to stupid people. Uh, so yes. I was probably not a child. Natalia is my new favorite guest. Yeah. Have, I, have I said that yet? <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Now, where did you grow up? Are you from, you're from Canada, right? Yes. I grew up uh, on a farm, like an hour north of Toronto. Oh, wow. So on a farm and they had to make you be social then, huh? Well, that was, we, we had a house in the city and then the, the farmhouse was my grandparents, but like we were there more than we were in our city house. So, um, yeah, the, the schools were in a place called Richmond Hill, 
Gotcha. So when did you know that acting was for you? Like, when did you, like, was it your first, like, first role or were you, were you in high school? You, most people say they had like a drama teacher or something like what, what was it for uh, you where you're like, all right, this is my career. This is what I'm going to do. I always knew I liked it. Cause I, I remember being so impressionable as a, as a kid and, and seeing movies and stuff and like seeing like center stage and being like, Oh, I want to be a dancer and seeing like girl fight and being like, I have to be a boxer. And I was just, I had to be whatever I was watching. And I was like, how in the world could I be all of these things in one lifetime? And so I was like, acting might be the best or the closest thing I can get to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think the first play I did, I was, I was in like, fourth grade but the seventh grade class couldn't find somebody that could remember all the lines to play the little drummer boy and so I was the little drummer boy and that I think was my first role anyway I knew I liked it I did a lot of like uh, local theater at like the old town hall how small my, t- my town is um, and uh, then I went to college and got an undergraduate degree in drama so that I could get high enough marks to become an entertainment lawyer so I was about to start law school because I'm very type A. Like I was like, I'm not just going to like risk it all and move to Hollywood and try and, you know, be an actor because in this industry, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It's, there's a lot of luck and a lot of timing and, um, you know, it just, I wasn't worth, I was, it wasn't worth it to me to try it and then be, you know, decades later be like, what did I do? I wasted everything. Um, anyway, so I was going to do entertainment law because that's a little bit more, you know, A plus B equals C. And uh, my friend asked me if I wanted to be an extra in a movie and that was shooting in my, like, town, near my town. And I said yes. And then the director asked me to audition for a small role that was speaking. And I got it. And then they wrote me to the next one. And the rest is kind of history. I got so freaking lucky. The whole thing. I, mean, I still don't even know what they're following down. It's just, it's crazy. I'm so, so lucky. in trying to do the right thing from a lo- logical standpoint, in trying to do the rational thing and avoid that, like, spinning the roulette wheel of luck, you, like, fell into luck along your way, is what you're saying. Yes. But that being said, it wasn't always easy. Like, I moved out and, you know, got lucky and got a job. And then I went for a year where I like screen tested 15 times. So I, but I didn't book any of them. So like I couldn't get anything. I was like ready to go back to school. And, and then, um, it's a funny story. Right. As I was, uh, cause my LSAT score had expired and my deference, uh, deferral was, um, expired as well. I was going to rewrite the LSATs, go back to school and, and all that. And so I was getting ready to do that. And we were, my friends and I were leaving a movie and the guy, you know, the guys that stand up and they're like, tickets sit in, you know, the audience of a game show. And everyone was like, no, I was like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, I sat in the audience for let's make a deal with Wayne Brady. And, uh, I got picked and I won a car. Nice. Uh, wow. That money, because I was out of money, I needed to go home. That money held me over for two more months when I booked my first lead role in a show called Chasing Life for what was then ABC Family, now Freeform. Wow! Did you did you sell did you sell the car? Uh, yeah, and then I like used the difference to like float yeah. me for the wow. months, which That's is funny. Crazy. I did a show called Designated Survivor that I bumped into Wayne at a party, and he was like, "I love your show, oh my god!" And I was like, "I wouldn't be on that show if it wasn't for you." And I told him the story, and he was like almost in tears. It was really That's funny. great. So you said you did ten or fifteen screen tests. Which one? 
I don't. Which one's the most memorable? Which one stung the most that you didn't get? Like, is there one that would be really memorable that you're like, I know I'm going to get this role and it didn't work out? Um, I was told that I was the girl for something and then last minute didn't get it because I had just moved to LA. I was here maybe like two or three months before this happened and they didn't want to risk giving a show with that much like heat to somebody who didn't have a resume. Uh, and it was the vampire diaries. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Man. And, and it's stunning. It's my mom's like all time favorite show. And she always tells people like, that's the one she came second in. And <laughs> Thanks mom. She's the successful actress yeah. on everything. And did you know that my daughter Almost was on my favorite television show. <laughs> yeah. Like, mom, just please don't say that at all. Dare to dream. Um, so you you almost uh, dove into the world of entertainment lawyering, which is just a fascinating uh, world. Are, are, is it still something that interests you? Like, do you find yourself asking questions just out of curiosity to people that are in that field? Because it's something that at one point you were almost going to do. I was, I mean, because like, I was always interested in, in, um, being a lawyer, but I think it was because of the performance aspect of it. So I would have been in, you know, litigation and, um, in the courtroom for that, but corporate law, I realized I could be a part of the industry without having to risk being rejected, which I still have been a million times, but you know what I mean? Like grossly rejected. Um, so I, the, the, the legal stuff is actually, I have no idea how they do it because I'm like, can you ask for that? Or like, I'm really still pretty timid when it comes to that stuff. Like you're like, we're going to go back and we're going to re- ask for this, this, this. I'm like, just get me the job. I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't need all that stuff. Um, but they're like, no, trust me, this is how you do it. And I'm like, okay, fine, fine. So I actually try and like, I try and be ignorant of it because I always feel like the more they want to ask for, the less likely they're going to let me have the job. Yeah. So I'm just like, just take, I'll do it for less. It's fine. And they're like, no, you idiot. Let us do our job. <laughs> That's great. That sounds like me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does sound like you. Um, <laughs> so you've done uh, just so many different types of roles, different types of TV. Um, I love Designated Survivor. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit. Is there, is there some uh, a type of role that you look back on the most fondest, uh, or maybe it was the most fun type of role to play that maybe stretched yourself a little bit or is so, so different uh, than you as a person? Are- what was that? Sorry, you broke you, up. No, we, we lost you. What did you say? Chasing Life. I played April Carver. Gotcha. And that was my favorite role to date. Love it. Why? Well, Why is that? I think, I think it was because it was like I sort of was responsible for the show. Um, so I was so invested in it. And I loved the cast. I loved the crew. We got to shoot in L.A. and Boston. Um, and the story was just so real and, um, and beautiful and, and it connected me to a lot of people and organizations and communities that I don't think I would have otherwise been, uh, well, like, you know, if I, if I hadn't been on that show, my eyes wouldn't have been open to a lot of, of people going through a lot of things and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to help them in ways that I, that I have and that I'm trying to. Is it tough to switch? I mean, you've been on two, three television shows that 
you've gone more than a dozen episodes on and you get to build a character and you get to kind of see the character grow and see it go new places. Is it tough to shift, especially with a show that goes 30, 50 episodes? Is it tough to shift to something like a Hallmark movie where you kind of know the, you know, you know the whole thing, you're going to shoot it really quick. Is it tough as an actor to go from, man, I get to really dig in and develop this character to, okay, this is guy gets girl, they fall in love, they kiss at the end. Is that, is that a, a tough, uh, you know, gear to shift to? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a very, like, I, I think my type, you know, I get very invested, but I'm, I, performance-wise, I think I'm more subtle than um than most people uh tend to tend to want to see in hallmark movies uh so a lot of directors are like okay i'm gonna need you to like really you know give that coy smile or like a really big laugh or like you know hold that stare a little longer and i'm just like oh my skin's crawling i can't do it i can't do it (laughs) but then i always watch it and i'm like okay it's perfect it's exactly what a hallmark movie needs it's like you know a disney movie in real life but for me, it's like I want to play it so much more real and grounded, and and I'm con- the directors are constantly having to be like, please, please, just do it more. Like, why don't you throw a hug into this scene? And I'm like, real people don't hug this much. <laughs> so true. We are going to take a, a a brief, a quick break, and hear from our sponsors. So stay tuned. Hi, everybody. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. You know about Father's Day? Um, I've heard of it. Um, I have a dad. And maybe you're thinking... So do I. What? Me too. Um, maybe you're thinking, I want to get my dad something something fun, something that he wouldn't think that he needs, a some tie? sort of unique gift. No. Maybe you're sick of giving your dad ties. You're sick of giving him screwdrivers. He doesn't need another screwdriver. You want to give him something unique. And that is exactly what the grommet is for. Now, let me tell you about the grommet. The grommet is a website that is full, stock full of very unique gifts. Uh, uh, from fresh finds that you can use in the kitchen um, to tools to help him in the yard work that he might not even know that he needs. You can find original gifts for your dad, like a cool new grill innovative tool. Anything that you think your dad might like is on here in a unique and fresh way. And our friends over at the Gromit are going to give you, the listeners of Deck the Homework, a fantastic offer by giving you 15% off your entire first purchase by going to thegromit.com slash homework. That is G-R-O-M-M-E-T, thegromit.com slash homework. You're going to 15% off. Get your dad a unique Father's Day gift from the Gromit. With your type A personality that you mentioned you have, how do you kind of bring your personality type to your roles? Does that include like more research on like the back end or like what or front end? And what, what do you typically do? How does that manifest itself? That much research that you have to put into these these roles that are always sort of there. It's that that's why Hallmark works so well is they've got sort of a formula and it works every time. And so you, you know, there's not. I could try and do research, and if that's not what the director wants, it's sort of just time wasted. Mm. Um, but it's like I, both girls that I've played on Hallmark have been from small towns, have been, you know, um, they take a risk doing something. And so I feel like I did that in my real life, so I can just sort of let that organically come out. Um, but I think what I bring more is a lot of times they'll let me sort of massage the dialogue a little bit and make it a little bit more um, – 
I don't know, natural to, to my mouth, uh, which sometimes is great. Sometimes is not Hallmark friendly. Um, <laughs> but I think that that I get to, and like, I get to add a little bit of reactions and stuff like that, that luckily my co-stars have been really great and we've been able to play with each other back and forth. And I think that that brings a level of, of, you know, realism and, 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 the chemistry feels a little bit more organic when you get to do that. I'm not trying to keep you from getting any more work on the Hallmark Channel, Italia, but it seems like you really appreciate the variety and the challenge of acting. Is there ever a point where you would be like, I, I don't know, another Hallmark movie where I'm just going to be from a small town? Like, is, is that something that weighs when, when, when you get an offer from Hallmark? Is that something that weighs on you where you go, yeah, not right now, maybe later? Um. Well, Hallmark had come to me a, a few times uh, before I did Roman Love, and I just it, I never read a script that I thought I could I could do justice to. You know what I mean? Like I have to read a script and be able to read every scene and say, you know, I can find something I believe in in each of these scenes, which will mean that I can give an, an authentic performance. Um, and then my mom just like like she has socks for Hallmark movies and like onesies and like she's she is that woman anyway so I think I was like four and a half months pregnant and they sent me Roman Love and I read it and it was so sweet and charming and and like it, I don't know it just felt it felt different for a Hallmark movie it felt like there wasn't like a villain or not a villain but like the bad girl or the you know the mean person or whatever it was just a really sweet thing and it was italy and yeah i mean come on you know i was like yes yes of course so that was great and i had such a wonderful experience with them that i was you know easily like send me whatever you want and and i'll read them and hopefully we can find something to do again and yeah. and then when i was six weeks postpartum my kid was six weeks old i did love in winterland wow. so we were stuck on a remote mountaintop that nothing was opened. I had my mom there with me and, uh, I was like pumping in the back of like my transpo van in between scenes. Wow. It was crazy. Uh, so that one I did. And then I have two more I'm going to do with them. Awesome. Uh, over the next couple of years or whenever production starts again. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, they're just, they're so great to work with. I've, I've been so lucky. I know I use that word a lot, but it, it's true. Can we talk about Love in Winterland? Because originally that was supposed to be a, is that a Christmas movie? Is that right? It was supposed to be that Love in Christmas Land yeah. or, or, Al uh, or Alice in Winterland. There was something Alice, with the title. What it was supposed to be. Um, but then they changed my name from Alice to Allie. And then, I don't know, they changed the title a bunch of times. But I think it was supposed to be done for Christmas, but then they didn't have enough time to turn it around, so they had to just make it winter. Wow, gotcha. And what's interesting is that movie was produced by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company. Really? Because of the environmental, the climate change aspect. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. And I'm sure he's a pretty active, he was on set every day, making sure everything went well. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> loves Homer. No, I, I <laughs> he probably does he probably does all yeah. good guys do um no, I, I gotta go ahead who's like like a pit bull of a woman like the last person on earth you think would like hallmark movies loves them like it's great i did one and like the amount of people that stopped me for hallmark movies over like you know working with Kiefer sutherland for three years is crazy 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about Kiefer. Um, (laughs) So uh, I love Designated Survivor. I especially love the first season. Thought it was great. It's such an interesting show because it's one of the unique stories that does a couple seasons, gets canceled, gets picked back up by Netflix, which is Mm -hmm. just an interesting roller coaster, I imagine, as an actor. Um, Talk about uh, filming that show and what it was. Maybe what like was there any difference in filming it for uh, you know traditional TV versus uh, a streaming service like Netflix? Was there any difference? world of difference uh season one was great season two is uh, season three is amazing agreed um yeah there was a whole bunch of stuff going on uh but anyway so so for network there's so many people like so many producers at the studio level at the network level and they're always on set and everybody has an opinion and there's a million not that any of them are bad it's just that there are so many people involved that that have a voice that feel like if they don't say something they're expendable so you end up being like too many cooks in the kitchen sort of thing. And then when we went to Netflix, Netflix was like, great. Yeah, you go ahead, you shoot your show and we'll be here. That's fantastic. And so you get to, you get to really commit to to the story that you're pitched at like, the beginning of the season. Because typically, you know, the showrunner will call you and be like, this is what we're thinking for the season. This is what we're thinking for your character. But then by the time you get the script, you're like, what the hell? Because it's gone through 48 different people who were like, well, I don't think this tracks or, the, or add this or whatever. Um, so it was just it, creatively, it was much more liberating to, uh, to work with nothing against ABC, but it was a, a lot easier to work for uh, Netflix. And then also you're, you're not rated. So, you know, you don't have to be so careful about being, you know, who you're offending or, or who you're not you know, you swear words and, and the, even the shot, some shots, like they're like, we have to make sure we have both eyes in this close up or Netflix. You just, there aren't so many rules and it's really, it's really fun. So uh, you said, uh, you know, with a network, there's a lot of people, but I also know that designated survivor changed showrunners like two or three times. And I don't, I don't four times. four times. There you go. And I don't know. Was it twice in season two? They did. Yeah. yeah. So I'm one of the people that needs to go back. I didn't watch season three because I season one, I was just all in. And then by the end of season one, they had switched kind of the focus. And season two had this thing where they were going to make it more of a family drama. At least that's what it looked like. Just, I bailed. Season two, like it was, it was, um, every episode had its own problem instead of like the, the it overall like, yeah, case of the week yeah. kind of thing instead of serialized. And so I, ba- I bailed on the show. I stopped watching the show and then I've heard on Netflix is really, really good. Just pick up season three. Just go right back to season three. So how frustrating. I mean, I get notes from the network. Like, I get that. Hallmark does that. Everybody does that. And you just live with it because you're on, you're, you know, you're on network television and it pays well and it's syndicated. But how frustrating is it to not have somebody driving the bus, somebody in charge that you know can count on to get the job done when they just keep switching the showrunner over and over? That's, that, to me, has to be the most frustrating thing. It was, especially because, like, I'm not delusional, you know, like who am I to be having conversations being like, I don't think this is really working. Like my character is supposed to be chief of staff, but like she's just reading him as appointments for the day. And this other guy is the one that's balancing all the good ideas. And then, you know, he's asking him all the questions. And, you know, I was kind of like, luckily Kiefer is such a great like team captain. And so he fought for everybody's like, um, authenticity and to make sure that we were being um, like our characters were tracking properly and, and the story was he was he was fighting tooth and nail to keep that thing together so uh, I didn't I knew that like I'm not going to call up the showrunner and, and be able to, to make much of a difference unfortunately just that's the way it, it works um, 
so I, I tried a couple times and, and at you know, one point you're just like, listen, it has to go through so many people between getting the script today and having to shoot it tomorrow. Not much is going to change. Cause that's another thing is you in season two, a lot of that time we were getting scripts at four o'clock in the morning and had to be on set at eight with four pages of like rapid fire dialogue. Wow. Wow. I, I almost never do this. I never ask another actor about what it's like to work with another actor, but I think Kiefer's so interesting. Uh, I watched Designated Survivor and I had never seen 24. And so I decided to binge all of that. And I go down this Kiefer rabbit hole online and he's just such an interesting person. Uh, you say, you say he was such a great team captain. He, you know, he shot so many seasons of, of 24. He obviously knows what works. What was it like working with someone who's that, uh, you know, he, uh, he's done TV for so long and done successful TV what was it like what did you take away from him he is the most professional and like caring and invested people I've ever seen in my life like he is so good and it's incredible to just be able to like watch that like it was like a free master class every day that I was shooting with him um and it's it and he cares so much not just about the work but about the people and taking time to like appreciate everyone so it was just a really nice way to see how how I don't know how to articulate this properly but not only is he so good at his job at just the acting part of it but he's so gracious and I see that that is that's another reason why good people have good careers you know once you've gotten lucky with getting the work like I was explaining before I think maintaining it and being well-respected and well-appreciated is so important. And so it was just lovely to get to do that. And he's just like, you know, we're great friends now. And he was just so, he was so, um, like welcoming, like the cast felt like family by the end of it. And actually by like two episodes in we did, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's so important because it makes you want to work harder because you constantly want to be at the top of your game because you never want to disappoint somebody you look up to when you're working with them. Yeah. Uh, Italia, we have a Patreon community and we don't usually take question requests from them, but we had two really big Chasing Life fans and one of them wanted to know what you thought was truly going to, how your character was the end for your character. What's, uh, how, how Chasing Life was going to end for your character. Um... Uh, so in the original movie or in the original telenovela, she beats the cancer, but then gets in a car accident and dies. Wow. Uh, so I know that Aaron Kaplan, our executive producer, will, wanted to make sure that we told an honest story and that, you know, not everybody beats cancer, no matter how hard you fight. But there's still beauty in that and there's still, you know, appreciation and life celebration. And so I think the end goal was eventually for april to lose her battle so i think the way we shot it she decides to stay in rome and she you know enjoys the rest of her life there Mm. in my opinion what's your go-to like tv that you watch if you're just sitting around relaxing i know with an eight month old you don't get to do much of that but you know if you've got time to just lounge on the couch what tv or movie genre i'm sorry i we when i'm talking i saw your lips moving but i didn't hear you go ahead wheel of fortune wheel of fortune (laughs) wow really yeah, my husband and I, uh, as soon as the kiddo goes to sleep, I pour my wine, he grabs his, like, favorite drink or whatever, and then we sit right back here. He's got his Xbox station and my Xbox station, and I play Wheel of Fortune online with friends, and he plays Apex. Wow. wow. <laughs> Man. That's fantastic. I love it. That's great. I didn't see it coming. The couple that video games together. Yeah. 
stays together. Except separate. for I'm like sitting there and he's like screaming like, kill him, he's in the bunker, get the shaft, blow it up, grab the grenade, blow it. And I'm like, I'd like to buy an O. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Not necessarily video gaming together, but at least next to each that's other. Right. And I think that's really that's all, meaningful. That's though. really yeah, all that yeah, counts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, quickly going going back to homework, I was going to make the joke that none of the, the first scripts had Rome in it. Um, and so obviously when Rome comes along, you take that you take that hallmark role. Uh, what was it like going going to Rome? Uh, what you know, we always hear like these over overseas trips or even on location, like in New York. You do a little bit in the big city, and then everything else is filmed back in Canada or something. Was it similar with this, or was this all in uh, Rome in this case? It was all in Rome. Wow, wow. what was it like? Oh, it was so much fun. Except for because I was pregnant. Nobody would let me eat any vegetables. They'd pour me like a gallon of wine, but they wouldn't give me any fresh vegetables because they're worried they weren't washed properly. So like I couldn't get a salad to save my life, but like all the red wine in the world, which I didn't drink, but um, I had to like go to a market and like buy my own veggies and salad and like wash them in the bathroom with like vinegar and, and make them in my hotel room. Uh, but yeah, the whole shoot, I think we were supposed to shoot in like Bulgaria for a week, but then they ended up finding a location on like the outskirts of Rome. Uh, but we got to shoot in all the most beautiful places. Uh, it was, it was stunning. And the, 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 um, the weather was gorgeous. My parents got to come visit me because my husband was shooting something else. Uh, and Pete, Pete, who was my co-star, he's, oh God, he's the funniest guy in the world. Like, I think I almost peed my pants on every single street in Rome walking around with him. Um, and we had, yeah, we had a good time with that one and the food, I shot the finale of Chasing Life we shot in Rome as well. So I have such um such lovely associations with that city and mm. and I and my honeymoon. I went there for my honeymoon too. I just I love it so much. Apparently in Europe you can just drink whatever when you're pregnant. My my wife was talking to somebody who is like was from there and she was like, Yeah, my doctor just told me to cut back to like a, a bottle a night. Um, and my wife was like, what? A bottle a night? Um, so apparently, just do whatever. Just yeah. drink as much as you I mean, want to. I, I drank wine when I was pregnant, but it would be like, you know, a glass of dinner or like half a glass of dinner, depending on how cooked the baby was. Yeah. But now back to a bottle a night. Go yeah, do, yeah, do, yeah. do as much as you want. <laughs> as much as you oh, want. You I'm a mom of an eight month old. I will drink battery acid if he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. Wow, I get battery it. Battery acid. We're going to take one more quick break here from uh, uh, a couple more of our sponsors and we'll be right back. If you're listening to the show, you know that all three of us are family men and we care deeply about our families as you most definitely do yours. Well, there's no better way to take care of your family in the long term than by writing a trust or a will. Now, to do that, you're going to need lawyers and lawyers cost a lot of money, but it's worth it because you get the chance to make sure what you have and what you've done in your life is taken care of for all posterity. Well, let me introduce you to the best, most efficient, most economical way to do this. That's trustandwill.com. You go online to trustandwill.com. You take 15 minutes, you finish an online will or trust. It starts at 69 bucks. You get free printing of all your documents. There's beautiful folders that you, that'll keep them safe. All wills and trusts include a power of attorney. They include all the important health documents that you know are available. This is a must have. My wife and I got a trust and a will recently before I knew about trustandwill.com. 
a lawyer charges over $1,000. That is not what you're going to find at trustandwill.com. You're going to find all the professionalism of a law office with half the price or less. You're going to be able to do it all in the convenience and comfort of your own home, and it's all taken care of for you at trustandwill.com. Right now, if you visit trustandwill.com slash deckthehallmark, you will automatically receive 10% off your purchase of a trust or will-based estate plan. That is trustandwill.com slash deckthehallmark for 10% off. You need to go take care of your family. Do it today. Uh, do we, do we wanna, Is it rapid fire? Yeah, I think time? it's rapid yeah. fire round. We uh, we like to wrap up each interview with a quick rapid fire. We each get to ask you three questions as quickly as possible. Uh, you answer them and as honestly as possible, of course. No lying here. Uh, Panda, would you like to kick us off? Oh, absolutely. What's the best restaurant you've ever eaten at? Mm, I I don't know Um, that's hard Uh, one in Rome probably what's the thing uh, food beverage or thing in Canada that's made in Canada that you cannot find as good in the states or in Los Angeles Uh, pizza 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 that's just little Caesars right (laughs) oh what specifically their creamy garlic dipping sauce? Oh. Talking about it's a it's a restaurant called Pizza Pizza. Never yeah. heard of it. Yeah, pizza. And it's it's like well, a take I, takeout. Like, but it's better. And the, their creamy garlic dipping sauce is out of this world. Wow, Do good to good? know. Good note. Um, we're, uh, we, we haven't been to California a lot. We've been a couple of times. Uh, what's something that, you know, we're coming back for the, our our third trip to to Los Angeles in October now. Um, what's something that now that we've been there a couple of times, it's not as touristy. What's something that we should do in Los Angeles now that we've been there a couple of times that maybe like the tourists aren't doing, the locals are doing. Go to the LA Zoo. Okay. I actually went when we were out in July. Yeah. I went, I've got twin toddlers who are going to be four in about a week. But when we went oh. last summer and they were three, my wife took them. Uh, we had stuff going on. Yeah. I didn't go, but my wife and took the, took the boys to the zoo. Too. Yeah. It's amazing. The animals are always out doing like ridiculous things. Uh, it's very rarely busy. It's like, that's my husband and I are like the first day. I'm, I'm sure I should announce this, but like the first day it opens up, we're going to the zoo. You got him. <laughs> you got him. Uh, go to entertainment for your eight month year old on the iPad. Your eight month year old Italian. Oh, eight month. Hey, yeah. you know what? Be gentle. That battery ass water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Mm. Um, entertainment for him is Puppy Dog Pals or mm. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Classic. Mm. Classic. Yes, I'm the mom who like swore up and down while I was pregnant that I'm like, I won't let him sit in front of the TV. I'm only going to buy him toys that like stimulate growth and challenge him and all this. And now I'm like, just please shut up. Just eat your Cheerios and watch TV for ten minutes while I have a coffee. Yeah. No. Trust me, yeah, get it. Literally get it. said the Preaching. same thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, dream director to work for. Mm. That's really hard because there's so many different ones for different styles. You know, like Chris Nolan would be amazing. Yes. Spielberg and James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow. Low and actually, Olivia Wilde, I think, would be really interesting. And Booksmart was so good. Yeah. Although I'm not funny, not sober. Um, what do you what do you really think of Kiefer's music? It's good. It's actually good. I at first when I heard, I was like, oh no, and then. 
uh, he would play on set in between scenes. And I went and saw a show at, at like a casino on like the border of like Michigan. Uh, or no, was it Michigan? Probably. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, and it was, he's great. And he loves it so much. He it's so, it. it's like, I, you get so nervous for somebody that you adore and like look up to like that. And you're like, Oh, please don't suck. Please don't suck. And then I was like, so glad that it was amazing. And like, he goes on crazy tours. He's a, his trailer was his giant tour bus. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was actually very impressive. If you're into like country rock sort of vibe. If you could develop one talent overnight and become a master at it, what would it be? Hmm. Pickpocketing. Okay. Wow. Good <laughs> answer. Go. Right. Um, the most expensive drink you've ever purchased or consumed, even if you didn't buy it yourself and someone bought it for you. Um, I think somebody bought an like $800 bottle of wine Holy at a steakhouse cow. when Robbie and I were with him and Robbie does not drink wine. He hates it. He doesn't like the smell of it, which is why we have separate stations for eating <laughs> having my wine. Um, and Robbie was like, you know what? I'll try a glass. I was like, no, 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 no. We don't start here. This isn't where we try our first glass of wine at $800. You psycho. I was like, I'll get you a bottle of two buck chuck and you can let me know what you feel about it. That's right. Yeah. Work your way up, not down. You'll never drink another bottle of red wine again. Yeah. What is the, uh, first time you drive it. Here's a, here's a Lamborghini. Yeah, that's right. Actually, <laughs> um, last question. Do I get the last You're question? You're the last one. Wow. Um, what is um, like uh, your favorite uh, or the, the best, what is it? Not a theme, but a, a category in, um, in Wheel of Fortune where you're like, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to get this one. I'm going to, I know this Before one. Before and after. Before and Before after. And after. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, tell everybody, thank, for, thank you so much for joining yes. us. Tell everybody out that they can follow you on the, the social media and, and find out what's going on and all that good stuff. Um, if you're into uh, complaining about being a parent, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Italia Ricci or Twitter at Italia Ricci or Facebook at Italia Ricci. <laughs> wow. How about that? Go figure. Um, good luck. Um, good luck uh, parenting. It's the worst. Um, <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for joining us. And may we be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Deck the Hallmark is a Bramble Jam podcast. It's presented by Friendly TV and recorded live in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bramble Jam Podcast Network Studios. It's produced by Brandon Gray. You can find out more information at deckthehallmark.com.